0: There's this sigh, this blank expression I see, and I thought this morning, because of my subject matter, I've got a more physical uh, view. It's audio physical because you'll be lots of words on the screen. I make no apology. But I thought this morning, what would be really good if we just recapped my last seven sermons? You'll see why. Because do you, do you want to sit for a second and reflect on my my seven last teaching talks? Why are you smirking there, Rachel? <laughs> Right, but how long do I speak for? You don't have to, this is a rhetorical question. Look at this, my talks. 34 minutes, 31 minutes, 30, 32, 31, 30. See what I mean? If any of you have to leave early, Eddie and... Yeah, so it's like, you know how long... And now, when I do my preparation, I don't plan at all how long it's going to last for. And I don't look at the clock. And I guarantee now... As I start, you're going to flick to your watch and just see what time I'm going to start and what time I'm going to finish. And these have been taken from data from our website. And the reason I raise this because 30 minutes, okay? And we're looking at the Beatitudes. We're only doing chapters 5 and 6. But if you look at the whole uh, Sermon on the Mount, according to the Bible Gateway, it takes 15 minutes to read them. 15 minutes. It's like the Lord's Prayer some years ago. John spoke and got me to time. 24 seconds to read the Lord's Prayer. That's what you've got to pray each day. 24 seconds the Lord says, here's an idea. But the thing is, back in 2014, I led a a life group here at the church. And we studied 5, 6 and 7. 45 Tuesdays. 45 weeks. And that's about 40 hours not just to me. People shows. forty hours. What's that? A, a week, working week is it? Working week 37, 35 hours. Teachers twenty-six hours. I know week and a half. But but the reason is when you look at the subjects in Matthew chapter seven. We've got salt, light, murder, adultery, divorce, oaths, eye for an eye, love for the enemies, giving them to the needy, prayer, fasting, treasures in heaven, don't worry, judging others, ask, seek and knock, narrow, narrow and wide gates, truth and false prophets, true and false disciples, the wise and foolish builders. There are 18 subjects there already. With the Beatitudes, it's about another 10, 11 weeks. So you're up to 29 weeks already. Then you take the Lord's Prayer line by line, you've got another 6 or 7, you're up to about 35 weeks. So going to 45 weeks is not that much. And they say the average people spend reading Matthew's 5, 6 and 7 is 3 and a half hours. Don't you feel guilty now when you do just 15 minutes on the... On this, on this book, so my job today is to give you an overview. There some, we're not going to cover all those; we're just going to, in just five weeks some key points. But this book transcends Old Testament and New Testament. We're just a couple of chapters into Matthew, where basically it's about the birth of Christ, the big long genealogy of who begat who, and mum and dad and all the rest of it, and we come into this. And as Gary said last week, he gets them on a hillside, he just goes up a bit higher, sits down, and he teaches this. And if you ever do a study of this, if you ever want copies of my notes, which I've still got, every one of these, Jesus goes back to the Old Testament. Because he was speaking to Jewish people, with perhaps the odd Gentile next to them, you know, in this. And these subjects, they would know all about. And he lays this out. And of course, in the Old Testament, it was the legal rules. It was legal, you had to follow these rules and not murder anybody. Pretty idea, because if you murder up some, somebody, you're going to upset and affect a bit of society. If you commit an adultery, it splits up a family. And you go through all these things here. But when we come to us as Christians, we don't live under the legal side. We live under grace. When you recognise of your wanting a relationship with God, somebody said to you do you know about Jesus you gave your life to Jesus and suddenly you're living under grace and the thing is when you read this lot it's quite challenging there's one bit of the Bible there it talks about don't call your brother a fool now to me I've called many people fools I look around the room and see examples but in terms of the Bible the fool was a very strong word but actually, how you. Words. You know, it's interesting, is that the number of times I've sat in preparing for funerals, and they'll say to me, oh, this brother or sister won't come along because something happened in the past. There were cross words. And a few cross words can damage a relationship for life. The power of the word. So Jesus goes through this. But what's interesting, prior to getting into these chapters it starts with what's called the Beatitudes so let's turn to Matthew chapter 5 the first few verses this is what it says blessed are those who are are hunger sorry wrong one now when they saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down his disciples came to him and they began to teach them saying blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are those who are meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called the sons of God. And you have this eight, and in fact another one or two, these eight blessed. Before you start getting into the dos and don'ts, so as I said, you're going to see lots of words. For example, here, blessed. Now, in the strict translation, it means happy. But the problem is, the word today, happy, is not like it's meant in the Bible. This, was it says here, the term blessed is an exclamation of the inner joy and peace that comes with being right with God. Happiness may indeed be a part of it, but it's a happiness that transcends what happens in the world around us. A happiness that comes to the soul from being favored by God. And the problem with happy today is that it's event-driven. I'm happy now. You're saying, well I was happy, Barry, before you got up and spoke. Now I'm sad. And I go back to to happy when the lovely John gets up. And it's based upon emotion, but here it's talking something that transcends that. Something which is deep-rooted based upon an experience with God. And you have this beatitude, and what you get here is a sense that when we recognize something in our lives, God comes in. When I recognize, for example, I wanted a relationship with God, I came to Jesus at the cross. So I'd like to walk through each of these blessings. Blessed are the poor in spirit. The poor in spirit are those who feel a deep sense of spiritual destitution and consider their nothingness before God that fact when you recognize as Jesus said I'm here to show the people the kingdom of God I'm here to show people to the Father when the people realize an individual realizes that I can do nothing I realize how worthy and destitute I am to stand before God and God says the kingdom of God is theirs because they seek it and therefore find and abide in it I'm not saying you have to come to rock bottom, but when you recognize that you on your own not have a relationship with God, that when he does, you say, Lord, I need you. And it's almost this part here, it's talking about the Holy Spirit coming in. For the Jews, that was a new concept. For us, we take it for granted that when I gave my life to Christ, the Spirit of God dwells in me. He may be fighting with my old nature but it says when I recognize how unworthy I am the kingdom of God suddenly becomes open to me and then I start to recognize if the Spirit of God is now living with me it enables me to have a go on not murdering the person next to me it gives me opportunity not to think about adultery to cope with all those subjects which are legal but by the grace of God his Spirit comes into me and helps me not do the things that I shouldn't be doing. Blessed are the meek a blessing, or blessing those who mourn I should say. The blessing is not upon the fact of mourning in a, um, a, um, a funeral service but that fact of mourning that because of my sin I don't have a relationship with God and that sense when you feel Death is the inevitability of my life. And you recognize only God. And it says, they shall be comforted by the discovery of God's pardon. I've been to many funerals, and I've done quite a few. And I come across those cases when somebody says, I felt guilty. The last words I had with a guy who's just died were not nice words. If only I'd done this. If I could have and that sense of loss and emptiness and to a degree that's what's saying here I feel dead and I mourn for myself then God says I will comfort you I will stand next to you I will hold your hand I will be with you blessed are the meek the humble would receive a far greater than the arrogant and prideful not only do the meek enjoy more of life on earth because of their ability to be content but they will possess and enjoy the earth after Jesus return and triumphal entry a promise for those who are actually prepared to put if you like our earthly desires to one side to please God A meek is not a sign of weakness but it's a strength because you're drawing upon from God. And to know in my life, I went to an elders meeting on, on Wednesday. Four, three brilliant guys and me sit around a room. And, I, and we were talking about the future. And I said, now that I'm retired, I recognize I don't necessarily have many years left. And I recognize, since I've been sitting down, that Louise and I, one of us will die first unless the Lord comes. And this, I'm aware, I may have five years, ten years, because I see so many old rockers are dying younger than me. And John said, yep, I can relate to that. But, I have a sense, a knowledge, an awareness Death is just a doorway to being with God eternally in heaven. And that changes your perspective. When it says, God knows your days, I haven't got to worry about it. And I have to think to myself, if God told me, Barry, on July the 31st, 2026, you're going to die, what would I do? Would I enjoy those last few months? My comfort, my strength is knowing that God knows my days, chooses not to tell me, but the fact as I go through life, as my body starts to have issues, God will be with me. And this next one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. I'm hot. I'm thirsty. I got home yesterday after being out. I had a large glass of oranges because I just felt parched. But we're talking about hunger and thirst when you haven't eaten for a few days and your stomach is in agony. You just want to be filled. You want the best. And because of Christ, there are times I just cling on to the promise of everlasting righteousness in heaven. While we're called to live like Christ, we have our sins forgiven. And he says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. For they will be filled. Come, everyone is thirsty, says Isaiah. And I will f- come and want bread. I will feed you bread. I will give you thirst that you won't need to drink again. Not physical, but a spiritual filling. And we've turned to looking about at the fact of what God does for us. Now it turns around to say, what I need to do. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy mercy is an active virtue that Christians can show to each other because we have been given mercies. Since God has forgiven our offences, we should forgive others and show mercy. week before last, I had to go down to Wilford with one of my daughter-in-laws to pick up her car. And I got on the motorway. Do you know people drive differently on a motorway? You know, as I go down the slip road, the car in front of me is coming down from 60 down to 50, down to 40, and 30, getting slower because there's a juggernaut. And I may have said some comment, and we then ran onto the M25, and just about to come off, I said to my, said to Sarah, "I'm sorry, I'm moaning about that driver." She said, "You haven't stopped moaning the whole way on the motorway." People winking and therefore, I was showing no mercy to the poor quality of driving standards we now see in our country. But it's an active virtue I have to put into practice. And practice gets you near perfect. And a lot of these things I see in the Bible, I've actively actively got to practice them to make them better. Because these things don't naturally come... When I see a bad driver, I've discovered this incredible invention in the centre of my steering wheel. If I go like this, there's a loud beeping comes out. And Louise keeps telling me off, Why did you beep them? Well, because I wanted to. But look what they did. When you flash your headlights, are you telling somebody they can go or are you giving them a warning? In my highway code, it was giving them a warning. But now, I flash somebody because of a warning and they can getting... I have to practice showing mercy. And I have to work hard to be pure in heart. The pure in heart are those who are free from evil desires and purposes. One thing I've learnt in all my life the devil does nothing new in the way he puts temptation in front of me he doesn't say, Barry's cracked it I'm going to have to come up with some new devices to trip him up the devil knows full well which one I'm not good at or two or three or half a dozen and he picks on the same thing in the alcove over there we used to have two lights and one evening when the hall was smaller I was playing football with the young kids in the church Don't tell the deacons we weren't allowed to do that, but we did. And this boy, the brother of John Mabry over there, kicked the ball. It hit the light. The light came down and smashed on my finger and sliced it. I had to it I know. Thing is, it severed a nerve. I've forgiven, Chris. I did quite well out of the the money I got from him. No. Um he's a millionaire so he can afford it. But what thing was though, although it healed up on the outside every so often our cat would bite that and find the nerve. It took a few years for that to actually fully heal. So don't be surprised when you become a Christian you don't suddenly become pure in heart one day. The experience of life teaches us. They can see and experience God's presence because they are free from self-righteousness and arrogance. That sense of as God works in me, I can say to my mum I'm being made perfect and she gives some suitable reply but we are I'm a different person when I was 40 years ago I got cross in the car when a postman didn't do what he was supposed to do almost tore the head off my wife because I was at fault she's nodding now (laughs) because he just I still slip up but I'm told to be a peacemaker and I got this from um, one of my concordances says this All who make peace between men, whether as individuals or as communities, that means women as well. It includes, though, even those who worthily endeavour to make peace, although they fail in success. I love that. The number of times I've tried to reconcile people in church, the number of times I've tried and I fail. But I tried. They should be called God's children, because he is the God of peace who sent his own peace as the Prince of Peace. The Father says, "I give you my peace." Jesus says in John's Gospel, "I give you my peace." The Holy Spirit, which signifies peace, God drowns us in His peace, and yet how often we don't have that peace of God in the situations we find ourselves in. That blessed means I'm happy and content in all situations because I know and trust God has my in best interests at heart. That that God is looking after me the problem is the devil comes in and looks to persecute us we had an international week of prayer uh, I had the Americas so when we came to Africa we could say go pray for the church because you know the Muslims are attacking in India it's the Hindus and such and we could find out reasons to pray why the church is being attacked in South America where Magda's from in Colombia we had the fact that the gangs, um, the, the drug gangs are a major, major problem. And they're killing the pastors and dragging the church down. When I got to the USA and Europe, we couldn't work out what the attack was. We couldn't see the enemy quite clearly. The devil. But the way he uses, in terms of use the Muslims, it becomes subtly. The enemy has come into this lands, and I've woken up an old man going, where am I? As I said a few weeks ago, I'm baffled how we got to where we are, that we can't describe what a woman and a man is, and all these other problems. I'm just, I'm not bemused. I struggle and feel I'm in a world I don't recognize. The devil has been so subtle, so devious, so awful, so man and woman killing, I am shocked. Thirty years ago, forty years ago, as a young Christian, I was respected in business in my office. I never said at all to anybody in, in work, "Do not swear in my presence." Somebody walk in the door, swear, or oh, do, sorry, do, do me swear, Barry. I never said anything. But now those things have changed. I go into shops, and swearing is quite common. The world has changed. In Proverbs six, look at this. Take note, there are six things the eternal hates. No, make it seven, he abhors. Eyes that look down on others. A tongue that can't be trusted. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that conceives evil plans. Feet that sprint toward evil. A false witness who breathes out lies. And anyone who stirs up trouble among the faithful. God abhors that. But God does not want you and me to be poor. And I mean poor in spirit. This is a prophecy over Jesus. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. Because the Lord has appointed me to proclaim good news. He sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, To proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. And the day of vengeance of our God. To comfort all who are mourned. And provide for those who grieve in Zion. To bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes. The oil of joy instead of mourning. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness. A planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And you see echoes there of what's in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. As if Jesus is saying, these are the words spoken over me. I'm going to speak them over you. I appreciate you struggle with that relationship with God, you feel poor in spirit, but my God, my Father brings you your, his spirit. You struggle with the, the persecution. My my Father will be with you in those times. I struggle because I feel unworthy to stand before you, because I'm, I feel like I'm grieving and mourning for the, how dead I am, and God says, I comfort you. I send you my spirit. And you start to recognize that, actually, without those beatitudes being alive, those blessings being alive in my life I'm going to continually struggle with those, those things for the next 18 subjects Romans 5, 8 says this, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the desires, spirit desires the mind governed by the flesh is death but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. And there's that recognition that on my own, I find living difficult. Financially, job security, I can, having children, becoming pregnant, I can go through a list where life has been, in my experience, challenging, difficult. I've cried, I've wept. If it wasn't for the grace of God, I wonder if I would be around at times. I wonder whether I would have survived without people who speak to me like my wife for the Lord and John and others here. I wonder how I would truly, what state I would be in, because life is hard. It's hard trying to keep those lists. You know that list we put up earlier on all these sort of things here. To be righteous before God, although He makes me righteous, but I still think at times. I've got to earn it. I've got to work at it. And without that Spirit of God, these blessings in that first thing, as a preface to all these do's and don'ts, they become impossible. But look at the last one. The wise and foolish builders. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall, because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine, and does not put them into practice, is like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things... The crowds were amazed at his teaching because he be taught, taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. He spoke in grace. He was recognizing I know you can't do all these things, but if you just listen to the, the bit first of all, I'm sure this sermon didn't go on just for 15 minutes. But what Jesus said is profound. He bridges not just the Old Testament and the New Testament. He sets a vision. He lays out his stool of what life can be like for those who recognize their position before God and allow God to come in to change them. I gave my life to Christ 50 years ago. It's only now in recent years I can go, Lord, I can see your hand on the things you've done when I lost my job. Once, twice, and and you've provided this here. All those challenges, which were difficult at the time, now look back, Lord. I can see your hand. How those circumstances taught me so many things. There, but the grace of God. And I want to finish with this. We constant with this in mind. We constantly pray for you that our God will make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness on your every deed prompted by faith. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Be careful when you read this. You know it says here that by his power he may bring fruition to every desire that you have. Every step of faith that you have. The thing about being a Christian is I have to learn to hear the word of God. Prayer is coming to God with my desires and when I finish the prayer I have suddenly realised my desires put to one side and God reveals to me his thoughts, his plans. How often do you pray a prayer? Lord, I've got this problem Lord and I want to bring it to you and while you're trying to sort your ideas out I'm going to go and do this. Instead of saying, Lord, I've got this, I have no idea what to do, I wait upon you. But this idea, we constantly pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and that by his power he may bring to fruition your every desire for goodness. How often do you pray for somebody else in the church? After COVID, somebody stopped coming to our church. I prayed for two years and eventually she came back. And I was so excited. Every week I prayed that her and her sister, it's not coming to us to go elsewhere, and I've cried ever since. Two years God took to answer my prayer, and I'm so pleased. Aren't we? It's not easy. It's not easy to be a Christian. The clock has stopped. I'm totally thrown. But without the Spirit of God, life is a challenge. Life is a challenge. But I know at my age now, I'm excited. Next week, I'm going to 4th Street to speak. I went there uh, at the beginning of the year, and they liked me so much, seriously, they asked me within two weeks, can I come back? I come. The only problem is, I haven't a clue what I've got to speak on. I keep asking God. And I haven't found out yet. So please pray for me. Please pray for me. Please pray for me. Because I don't know what I've got to speak on. But I want to be God's voice. So I'd like you just to close your eyes now. And think about. I've gone through a lot this morning. But if you're in a place where you say, Lord, I'm not in the good place. Then... Say that to God. Cry out to him. You know when you've been in a funeral and you've, you've lost a close relative, a friend, and you're welling up. That's the attitude God says, you're in when you're not with me. You're mourning because he can't come back. They, she's left. And God says, but I'm still here. When life, there is no peace, there's no comfort, God says... I'm here it's just a just a few words to say to him I'm gonna pray and we're gonna sing some more Lord I thank you that your word is alive I thank you that it's real I thank you father that you I'm, I'm that one sheep that runs off leaving the other 99 and yet Lord you seek me out you don't settle or rest till I've come back and you've worked with me to sort out my issues you don't forget me, Lord. When I pray, Lord, there's billions of people praying to you also, and yet, Lord, you hear my voice. Round your neck, you've got a little a locket, Father, and it's got my picture inside, but then John looks at it, it's got his picture inside. I consider I'm just one of many, and yet I'm special to you. When I cried, I said, Lord, I want you as Jesus as my Saviour. You had a special party in heaven, Father, for me. I don't feel worthy. But Lord, you are my Lord, and I cry at you now. Help me, rebuild me, give me that sense of venture and hope I had before, Father. Let me, the problems I'm going through, Father, comfort me. The pain I'm feeling, Father, hold me tight. Lord, you're everything to me. You are real, and I thank you. Amen.